Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, no matter where that location might be. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT, and we have brought together some luminaries from the wireless networking industry to debate a premise or topic, if you will, and see if we can get to the bottom of it. I'd like to take just a couple minutes to introduce everyone who's on the call with me today before we get to this episode's premise. Lee? Hi, Tom. I'm Lee Badman. My Twitter handle is at WiredNot, and you can find my blog at wirednot.wordpress.com. JD? Hey, folks. Jonathan Davis or JD here. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Subnetwork, and my blog is subnetwork.me. Hi, uh, my name is Avril, and uh, my my Twitter handle is at Avril Sorter USA. So it's just my name, USA, and um, I work as a technical trainer in the wireless field. All right, and John. Hey guys, uh, John Deegan. Uh, Twitter is at Wi-Fi underscore John, and I've got a blog and a podcast. The podcast is more active. That's uh, Spatial Streams podcast, and the blog is wi uh, com. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's get into today's premise. You probably know what wireless is. You've seen it everywhere. You probably use it every day. It's a technology that has become so ubiquitous that we don't even imagine what the world would be like without it. But the world has existed without Wi-Fi before. And notice that I'm saying Wi-Fi and not wireless because while all Wi-Fi is wireless, not all wireless is Wi-Fi. There are a lot of technologies out there that are being used by equipment manufacturers and by service providers that aren't necessarily related to Wi-Fi. So today's premise is that Wi-Fi is not always the best wireless technology. Now, Lee, you and I we're talking about this before the podcast started, and you're the one that came up with the premise for today's episode. So I kind of want to hear what you have to say about this. Why is it that Wi-Fi isn't always the best wireless technology? Uh, I think that the uh, reasons are probably more than I'll hit on, but whether we're talking about um, security, whether we're talking about topology, whether we're talking about RF propagation, the ability to penetrate through, you know, walls and ceilings and floors and big buildings and all of that. Not all connectivity needs are the same. Not everything that gets connected um, has the same bandwidth requirements. It all doesn't need to go to the same network or same parts of the network. I'm dealing with a, um, to, get a to get more specific, I'm dealing with a building-related um, project right now, building controls and sensors. Um, it's kind of a research project. The easy way out is to take some legacy sensors, put on a USB dongle. It's a really ugly fit. Or you look at something else like LoRa, and for a number of reasons, it would just be much cleaner. Um, you know, it, it just goes on, but Wi-Fi has an appeal because it tends to be ubiquitous. So, you know, you can't resist the siren song. It's cheap. It's there. Um, but then when you start looking a little bit closer, you find it's not the best fit. And again, I mentioned a lot of the reasons, but um, any, any one of those is its own discussion. So I'll leave it there to kick us off. 
I feel like that that's a really good point that there are a lot of the things that we do in technology kind of feel like they have a lot of inertia to it. We're going to use this because we've always used this. We're going to do it this way because we've always done it this way. And when people go back and take a look at it and go, wait, wait, there's a really better, cleaner, faster, more efficient way to do this. Everyone's like, well, it'll never work. Why? Well, because nobody's using it. So, I mean, you know, let's take something, actually, let's take something that JD has actually written about for Gestalt IT quite a bit. Um, Zigbee, uh, was it 802.15.4? Uh, which, by the way, if you're a fan of IEEE numbering, and I don't know who in this world would be, notice that that's not 802.11, which is Wi-Fi. 802.15 is a completely different wireless spec. So, JD, where would I use this, and why would I use it over Wi-Fi? Well, so... Uh... They're, they're, the thing to understand is 802.15.4 uh, is kind of what a lot of those uh, low-power, non-Wi-Fi uh, technologies are built on, right? So Zigbee, Thread, um, uh, Lee mentioned, uh, uh, not Sigfox, um, what was it, Lee? Laura. Laura, thank you. Um, so, so a lot of these are built on this 802.15.4. And what's interesting, if you actually go look it, 15.4 is really built for these low power personal area networks, really small networks, right? And we've kind of taken that technology and said, well, there's there's a lot more capability and, and there's a lot more we can do here. And so so we've um, we, we've expanded that out, right? Um, we we generally it uses frequencies. Some of it does use for Zigbee, as, as you mentioned, you know, is uh, really common in the 2.4 gigahertz space. Um, but there's other, other frequencies in, that can be used there in the 400, 800, 900 megahertz uh, spaces that provide us uh, 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 the ability to carry further distances, to penetrate buildings better, which is something Lee also brought up. Um, but the other thing that it, they're generally built around is small amounts of data, right? So rather than having the super wide channel width in that 20 or 40 or 80 megahertz channel width, now we're looking at two megahertz or um, uh, 300 or 600 kilohertz, right? So 0.3 megahertz or 0.6 uh, megahertz. So these very narrow channel widths. And what that gains us is this super low no noise floor because one of the rules of uh, physics in the universe and everything is, is that the, the, the more we listen to, um, the more noise we're going to hear. And so by listening to, to that very, very small channel width, our noise floor plummets, which means we have a much higher signal to noise ratio and we can carry that, you know, that, that signal miles, right? Um, but we can only do that with small amounts of data. So really to get to your question, when, we, when we're looking at Zigbee, what we're looking at is, as, as Lee you know, alluded to, sensor data or, or on-off switches where we're trying to affect small amounts of change we're not trying to download a YouTube video, you know, or we're not trying to uh, to stream a, a, a this podcast. Um, we're trying to read it, read a sensor, you know, once a second or something along those lines, and maybe maybe affect change, um, you know, based on that. So so that's so it's really about what are the requirements? Like like all of the things in IT, it's about establishing the requirements, and the the requirements then dictate what. Uh, wireless technologies fit and whether that's Wi-Fi or something else. 
I'd say that's probably pretty fair. And that's one of the, the reasons why this mentality that Lee talked about, of, you know, this is the way we've always done it. This is the most ubiquitous technology. We might as well use it. Um, it kind of reminds me of people that, well, quite honestly, they still make proprietary power plugs for things when USB has been a standard for years. Now, granted, within USB, there's several standards that you can pick, whether it's a different kind of connector or whatever, but it shouldn't be this hard. We, we shouldn't have to keep making custom solutions to fix specific problems. So maybe a better question is, if all of these other technologies are so much better at specific applications, why can't we just improve the application that everybody's using to do this? Why can't we just make everybody all get along? And where would the fun be in that? <laughs> well, how so? I mean, the analogy that pops in my head, right, is, is you're talking about you could build a house just using a hammer and nails. But would you want to? Because it's not going to be the, the best built house. Sometimes you're going to need screws. You're going to need a saw to cut stuff. I mean, you can break stuff with a hammer, but it's going to look like it's not going to look good. Uh, and so that's the beauty part of having all the different wireless technologies available to us. You know, you can cover your phones with Wi-Fi, but, you know, to JD's point, you're going to want to use something more along the lines of whether it's LoRa or Zigbee or, you know, Bluetooth for the various sensors you've got, depending on the requirements you, you are, are tackling. Um, you know, something we've talked about a lot in, in, the, in the, you know, the world of Wi-Fi now is contact tracing, right? You could do contact tracing with Wi-Fi, but why would you want to? Because you're not going to get the accuracy that people are trying to get to. And I'm sure every one of us on this call has probably had a conversation about it or been asked about it. You know, could you? Yes, but why would you? You wouldn't recommend that. I mean, the first thing that most everybody's going to go to is, you know, I would say Bluetooth. Um, that's probably the most prevalent uh, for things like location. But, you know, it all depends um, on, on what you're trying to do. Um, you know, th there's different requirements and different parameters you're working in with, with each of these. Like you said, you've got 802.11 for Wi-Fi. You've got 802.15.4 for, you know, the, the lower power, the lower, the Zigbee and things like that. There's different rules for each. You, you don't want everything stepping on top of it. And I think the other benefit too of using, you know, not necessarily Bluetooth because it does sit on the 2.4 spectrum, but like some of these, you know, the smaller channel with like JD just mentioned, you're segregating the traffic. You're dedicating that that traffic is going to be able to perform better and you don't have to share that space with you know necessarily like you know joe trying to download youtube in the waiting room of the hospital you're ensuring that the you know the cardiac or the or the, the whatever the meter is the pump that's got basically not necessarily dedicated but it's not fighting for tra uh, for for airtime with something that's certainly not you know life or death um, and i think that's important if I can jump in there real quick, I think one of the interesting points that, that comes uh, from that also, and, and I love the actual using the tools because that's the, that's one of the things to, to, one of the considerations maybe to take in, into mind here is that one reason why I think a lot of people push a lot of sensor networks and other things into Wi-Fi where they may not be the best fit there is because they have the tools for Wi-Fi, right? And it, it's the it's that uh, as the phrasing goes, you know, the, it, if if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think that's something that we see throughout a lot of the industry, um, where there are a lot of Wi-Fi um, connected systems that could be on Zigbee, that could be on some other technology, because it's easily it's easy to support them. 
Um, if you look at Wi-Fi, we have, you know, we have the air checks and we have the sidekicks and we have all of these fantastic tools that, that give us visibility into what's happening in the RF and the spectrum. And uh, we're able to, you know, capture packets and things along those lines. If you start trying to do that same thing in those other frequencies, it really falls apart quickly. And, and the level of tools for the cost, um, for, for similar costs that we have in Wi-Fi just doesn't exist, right? And so I think that's one of the, the holdups, maybe, Tom, to your question of, you know, why can't we use more things? I think that's one of the reasons is we don't have that great tool set uh, to apply in the same way that we do in Wi-Fi. Yeah, you know, it's funny. One more related, um, quick related point. I mean, we're, we're kind of stuck with the physics of it all. You know, Wi-Fi is 2.4 and 5 gig, and we have 6 gig coming. Even with 2.4, I probably am not going to be able to push that, push that through an eight-plex apartment building, you know, with just one, uh, one AP down at the end or whatever. In that apartment building, if it's eight apartments, there's a good chance it's eight different Wi-Fi networks, eight different uh, potentially ISP providers, very hard to put out like a sensor array and have it all go out, you know, on a single, you know, have it be manageable because you're dealing with eight different private networks. At the same time, I can go to a data closet, I can put in something like a, you know, 800 meg um, LoRa gateway connected to an ISP. And that 800 meg is probably going to penetrate the walls pretty good to a sensor in each of those apartments. And that can be managed out of band away from everybody's private Wi-Fi and do just fine because of the physics of it, because of the characteristics of that particular radio band. So, you know, wireless as a construct has been proven for, you know, 100 years or better now as, as being useful. But we're really, as more and more things find their way to the generic network, you know, find their way to the internet and the cloud. We're really just starting to discover how important the physics is and Wi-Fi is limited when it comes to physics. It absolutely has its place for client access and it, you know, goes as far as it goes. Um, but again, it's just not the best band for penetration and all the other reasons we, we mentioned. So I, I would like to jump in and give a, um, a, a different view a different perspective, if, if I may, Lee. Um, you know, when you look at um, Wi-Fi and many of the standards, even Zigbee with the evolution of thread, they've all moved to uh, IP version 6 and up at the higher layers of the stack. So a lot of the network management stuff can therefore be universally applied across all of these different radio technologies, as long as they've moved to an IP version six, you know, you've got some technologies like wireless heart that are gonna be somewhat limited because of the legacy stack. But then if you look at it and you look at the Wi-Fi standards, right? Um, so, well, let me back up a bit. Things like Lore and Zigbee were defined because they filled a niche, a really valuable niche, and there was a business case for it and people would fund it. What you're now seeing in the Wi-Fi standards is that they have gone well beyond the 2.4 and the 5 and the 6 gig. You've got um, YLO, which is the sub 1 gigahertz, um, which extends the range, you know, into the kilometer aspects, right? So we're well out of the cell coverage um, limitations that you historically think about Wi-Fi. You've also got the 60 gigahertz band. Um, which has provided a huge 
uh, opportunity for connectivity of devices. And so if we just say Wi-Fi is just the 2.4 and 5, we're limiting our view of what the Wi-Fi standard is. And Wi-Fi over time, they've been adopting as the business needs and, and the IoT's markets growing, they said, well, we too can do this. I'm not saying it's a better technology. I'm not arguing the business case. I'm just arguing the technology perspective. From a technology perspective, they've done many of the same things. So for instance, JD, you mentioned that Zigbee in the 2.4 uses a two megahertz channel. 8021X, if you look at a resource unit, which is 26 subcarriers, that's two megahertz. So they can get to the same, almost the same RF attributes right across the unlicensed band. And so from my perspective, I think if we ignore the business case, does anybody want to build this product? You know, is, is it going to replace if from a technology perspective is equivalent and can provide basically equivalent services and capabilities that these other technologies can deliver? Like you're starting to see really close location, um, you know, much smaller coming into the latest specifications. To me, the only difference, and it comes back to your point, Lee, which is it is down to a physical aspect. I think the limiting thing of Wi-Fi is that it's only in the unlicensed spectrum. And I think, therefore, it can't be everything. I mean, you can turn it into everything because, you know, those standards are being written. And I think it can do everything as long as you're in the unlicensed band. But the minute you want to go into the licensed band, it just is just not there. Um, not, you know, no one's made it there but um, that would be my major difference between them. Tom, um, I think also, um, Averill just sparked my, um, you know, kind of a point of reference in my mind. I think also some of what we're talking about is also falls along the lines of consumer versus enterprise. Um, you can do a lot with Wi-Fi at home that I don't think you can do in the enterprise where you're managing large buildings, um, again, you know, your whole house is going to be the same network, your sensors, you can kind of do whatever you want. You get into a campus or a mall or a hospital or whatever, where you've got these massive networks. Um, you know, the, the fundamental constructs change, not just for the physical attributes of whatever you're trying to do, you know, from a signaling perspective, but also the, uh, to, the, the logical topologies that you're playing on as well. And, you know, at least in my world, that's a lot of, um, you know, where things kind of divvy up to as well. Is this a consumer or an enterprise thing? I manage an enterprise. A lot of consumer stuff just doesn't fit well. And that's it's one of the things. Oh, go ahead, JD. Well, I was going to say, it's funny you say that, Lee, because when, when we often think about kind of the, the beginnings of Wi-Fi and enterprise, so often it was you know, dark IT. It was someone going, well, my work laptop has this Centrino, uh, uh, Intel Centrino uh, you know, chipset, and I know that I can get on my Wi-Fi at home, but we don't have that at work. So I'm going to go buy a Linksys WRT or, you know, whatever the, uh, you know, even, even prior to that, come to think of it, you know, and I'm going to go into the office and I'm going to plug it in, right? And, and a lot of times commercial or corporate enterprise uh, wireless actually came from, kind of came out of, we have to have a, a clear managed solution um, 
because our users are demanding it, right? And and kind of going back, if if we look at if we swing that into the more the Wi-Fi or the wireless, the non-Wi-Fi, um, there's really something really interesting going on right now with uh, Apple and and Zigbee and and a lot of organizations have created this connected home uh, uh, consortium, I guess, and and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of that because they have they have tenants that answer a lot of the problems that kind of come with a lot of those other wire uh, a lot of those wireless pro, uh, wireless solutions, right? Security and 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 things along those lines, and and I think as they kind of release that. Uh, Kind of back into the into the community, I think we'll probably see that those same technologies land in our corporate and enterprise networks. Um, you know, because because if, if for no other reason, because of scale, because they're they can produce the chipsets and they can produce the drivers at scale for the stuff at home, and that's what will lead it into the corporate enterprise. Uh, I think that's what we're seeing a lot of, or at least I, I know I've been seeing a lot of that too, is, is like JD said, like there's a lot of consumer devices that are making their way into the enterprise um, and, and that's driving a lot, but there's certainly consumer devices that you don't want on your enterprise. I know a lot of corporate uh, companies don't let things like say a Sonos onto the network or they didn't because of, of concerns or, or what have you. Um, I, I wanted to say one thing real quick, you know, we're all talking a lot about the unlicensed and i think we sort of touched on and i can't remember who but somebody started to sort of veer into the licensed side of it um and that's something else that we need to, to i think to, to remember is um there's that whole license spectrum you know cellular if you will um that sometimes is better than wi-fi for certain applications i mean I, i've you know looked at projects where you know people were asking for you know connectivity on you know a, a vehicle not necessarily going at 60 miles an hour, but a vehicle and they wanted Wi-Fi coverage. And, and we're like, you know, no, because it's just, it, it's not going to work well. But if you use cellular and you've got coverage, that's probably your best bet. So it, it does depend um, to, to beat up on, on that tagline, uh, what you're doing and where. But the other part, and I think Lee was sort of going there, and I think Avril may have been as well. We're dealing with a limited amount of bandwidth, right? And, and whether it's 2.4 and 5 or we get into 6 and 60 and all the others, at the end of the day, if you've got a really big chunk of spectrum available and it's across 18 different technologies, use it. Because we've seen, especially with the explosion of IoT, if there's bandwidth out there to use, something will use it. And if you're not using it, then you've got, you know, you're missing out. And it's just spread the traffic out, spread the devices out, because it's going to help everybody have a better experience. Because at the end of the day, even though I always say plug things in when you can, especially the IoT devices that aren't moving. People want wireless because everybody inherently thinks it's easy. Um, they always tell you it's easy. We just do it at home. We plug in something and it works. Um, and the reality is the physics aren't always as easy as they would like us to believe. Um, but use what you can. Use whatever's available. Um, and that includes the, the idea of, of the license stuff with, you know, wh whether it's, you know, the cellular networks and now with CBRS becoming a big thing. Um, use whatever spectrum you can get because you know there's it's just it's a finite resource really john i think you bring up a great point there um you know for a long time many of us called ourselves uh wireless engineers but the reality is is we're wi-fi engineers we've been the majority of us have been using wi-fi technologies and wi-fi technologies uh only um, i believe that over the next several years we're going to see a demand put placed on us uh, to manage a lot more than Wi-Fi. Um, and I think we're also going to see more 
uh, use cases that were previously always going to be Wi-Fi maybe make a jump to something else, right? So if we if we use CBRS or unlicensed LTE in the rest of the world, uh, as an example, um, you mentioned the fast roam times. Well, the other place that we have fast roam times and we need that really big coverage is is warehouses, right? Um, we need we need large cells. We need super fast roam times. Uh, and, and that may be one of those situations where in three to five years on large warehouse installs, we never go reach for, for wireless. We instead reach for a CBRS uh, you know, solution or an unlicensed LTE solution. Um, I, I can think of a lot of warehouses that I've designed in the past where the warehouse, because it was so large, I actually had more access points than I had client devices. And that's not that uncommon, right? Um, which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, ultimately, to to to, to spend to have that much of an outlay uh, and that much spend um, for the infrastructure um, when the, the the device count is 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 even smaller than the number of access points. Um, in a, in with technologies like CBRS and 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 some of those others. We may actually be at a point in, in the very near future where we can make a decision and go, actually, why the, the say, four to one, um, you know, uh, uh, replacement, you know, I can I can put in one CBRS AP that covers the uh, what I would normally be covering with four or six or even eight, um, you know, wireless APs, and it begins making more sense. And also, I deal with one of the biggest headaches in warehouses, and that's that's the roaming issue, right? So I think the demands that are going to be put on us over the next several years is going to be uh, acceptance and use of more technologies other than Wi-Fi. Can I, can I, I know Lee might want to jump in. I just want to build on what JD was saying, if you would forgive me, Lee. If we take what you're saying, and my hope is that if we look out 10, 15 years, that we get to a point where we say, this is the spectrum we have. We've moved our capabilities towards the edge. You know, we talk about cloud edge and capabilities and connectivity with IP version six, that we end up with just spectrum that we can use in our businesses or in homes. And then we choose the best spectrum, the best way of transmitting over that spectrum, whether that's a technology or an air interface, but we say this is the best way for that type of service. So if I'm running multiple services, I might want to run them on different frequencies with different air interfaces. And that would be my dream for the future is that we move away from these technologies and just say there is ear interfaces and there's radios and we just use the best one. And then our jobs um, will become much more of the radio people that understand, you know, if you're operating on this frequency or this antenna or you want this kind of coverage, then our expertise that we inherently have with Wi-Fi gets extended out to these other bands, other technologies, and we just become the wireless gurus that can work in this huge, huge world of, of radio. That's my vision, building on what you're saying. I, I hope that's where we go. I'm actually, I'm glad you said that actually, Avril, because um, that would be wonderful if, <laughs> as long as the the client device manufacturers, and this kind of gets back to what I was saying about the home versus enterprise, as long as they don't dump too much special sauce on all of these products, we have the standards, and that's that goes back to the original question, Tom. Why don't we just make 802.11 clients and all that better? Um, 
the client space is so fragmented with special sauce. You go and buy any of the home kit, any of the, you know, home oriented product sets. And yeah, they're based on 802.11, you know, where they're Wi-Fi, but then they've got all kinds of junk dumped on them. They need some special little casting capability. They need some little weird UPnP thing. They need to all be on a single class C network sort of stuff and to want, and to run this one oddball protocol that doesn't scale. And if you don't do those things, they don't work. So 802.11 client space kind of, um, you know, got run amok with all of this weird little every man for himself, despite the promise of interoperability from the Wi-Fi Alliance. To me, that is just such an offensive drum that they beat because it just really is not the case or they don't go far enough for interoperability. So back to Averill's point, boy, I, I do hope that one day we're called upon to say, pick me the best radio technology. And maybe by then, in a perfect world, um, the client device makers will have learned that you can't junk it all up with this proprietary crap. So you strip away all of the interoperability, even though everybody's using the same standard. They've coded it with so much junk that product A can't work with product B. And this comes back to Tom's question when you say, why can't they all work together, right? <laughs> So I think actually the, the point there, it, as we've developed this discussion, it kind of made me realize something. We, we've seen this in the chipset uh, market for a long time. We used to have purpose-built chips. And then Intel came along and said, well, I'm going to build one big chip that does everything. And we fell into that bandwagon. And we had the big chip that did everything. And sometimes we had to do some workarounds to make the big chip do something different or better. And we got away from the fact of realizing that sometimes building a chip to do something very specific is still important. Could you imagine what a cell phone would look like if you had to put an Intel chip in it? And when I say Intel chip, I don't mean the ones that they make for cell phones. I'm talking about a Pentium 2, which, as I recall, it was about the same size as an iPhone. So I think the point that we brought up in maybe the summary here is that you need to know the tools that you have to use. To John's earlier analogy, you can build a house with hammer and nails, but I don't know any house carpenters that only have hammers and nails in their toolbox. They know the tools, they know the applications. They don't use uh, screwdrivers as chisels. They have what they need to accomplish the goals that they're looking for. So when you're ready to sit down and you're ready to make the decision about what you want to do and how you want to do something, instead of just thinking, oh, we'll use Wi-Fi, do the work, figure out what it is you can use to get the job done. You may find out that there's a better, cheaper, faster protocol. You may find out that you have been completely missing something that would be a much better application. And when you learn the tools, you can build some amazing things. That should just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I want to thank our guests for joining us today. If you'd like to check out more podcasts like this, please head over to our website, gestaltit.com slash podcast. You'll always find the latest episode there. You can also subscribe to our podcast in your favorite podcast application of choice, or you can check us out on iTunes. If you do check us out on iTunes and subscribe there, do us a favor, leave a rating, leave a review, help somebody else find the on-premise IT roundtable. That way our audience can grow and we can find some more great premises to debate with you. So for Tom Hollingsworth, for our great guests, and for the rest of the Gestalt IT family, we bid you a fond adieu. Take care out there.